As you make your way back to your seat, would you stand with me, please? Let's go back as we are allowed by the Holy Ghost to look inside a church and see their problems. No church is perfect because people are involved in the church. The church is not a denomination. The church is not a building. The church is us tonight. It's people. Can somebody say amen? Like right now, before church, we had a problem because you were cold, but right now, I'm hot. Is anybody else hot in the house tonight? Amen. Praise gosh. Amen. But anyway, so the church was made up of people. I want to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. I may reserve the right to go back later to 1 Corinthians and look at man's wisdom. I just believe it ties into the second chapter, and I believe I can review tonight as we go. So verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to look at this tonight. If I had to label the problem, it would simply be self-serving preachers, self-serving teachers who relied upon their ministerial gift as if they could do it for themselves. It would be like a singer who's the best singer in the church. If Anthony was the best singer in the church, he would pat himself on the back as if he gave himself that gift. It's a God-given gift. So many times we look to impress people with our gifts, we forget that the power is not in our ability or our gift. The power to change somebody is in the cross of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're gonna to teach tonight. I'm gonna to set it up and then on two points. Let me set it up and then two points. Let's read together. First five verses, are you ready? And I, brethren, when I came to you the first time, did not come with excellency of speech or excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, and I love that word there, Paul saying, I made up my mind not to know anything among you. I, I love when I preach and people say he's in their business or he knows something, and especially when it's a visitor who I have no clue about their life. It's not me, it's the word of God. It's the anointing of God. He says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When's the last time outside of this church that you heard somebody preach on the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, I was with you, and I love this as ministers, especially my preachers in here tonight. I hope you feel like this. And Anthony, you and I have talked about this before. I pray that when you stand behind this sacred desk, there's some weakness in your mind. There's some, some intimidation, so to speak, that you recognize, like Paul said, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, verse four. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of man's human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. One more verse. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Too many churches today are offering five steps to your better Christian life. Four steps popular preaching that makes people happy. Now listen to me. I'm not gonna go the other way though and say that we should preach every Sunday and say, turn or burn. I don't like that preaching anyway, either. I don't think preaching should be for shock value. I don't like preachers that take the pulpit as their own and try to shock you either way on both sides of the coin. Just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all you gotta do. Shut your hand this way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. My beautiful wife is back there. Would you pray for me tonight and ask God to anoint me, please?
Amen. You may be seated tonight. Church problems. Recently, I was sent a video of a preacher that stood in the pulpit and began to tell the business of everybody in the church. Now, that's a church problem, amen? The confidential things that should be hidden on this video, and even calls one man out and says, if you don't like it, I'll whoop you right here in the church. Thank God that that doesn't happen here at North Wahala. However, the Holy Ghost does allow us to have this first book of 1 Corinthians that we can look behind the scenes. I'm thankful tonight that my life is not so open that you can see every mistake of my life and my ministry. How would it be tonight if the book that was written about your life, if Mike Terramano, we can look behind every problem of his life and every mistake of his life. Here the Holy Ghost allows us to look at this first century church so not that we can belittle it, but that we might learn from it. Problem number one last week, there are people that divided the church into four different sections. Look at that, four sections tonight. See how we were, we were already in harmony with scripture. But it was four different sections last week and I broke down those four sections. Somebody said, I'm of Anthony. He baptizes, he does outreach. Somebody said, I'm of Mike Terramano. He preaches the word, but he looks much cooler than Pastor Nolan. That's why I got this shirt on tonight, trying to get some street cred back. You understand? After he preached Sunday night, somebody said, I'm a brother Godwin. He represents an older way. And what the Bible was telling us, it's not that we're divided. Together we're one as long as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Immediately after that first problem, there came the second problem. This New Testament Corinthian church had this, this, this thought that, that they were so anointed, they had a lot of money, they had a lot of uh, degrees, and what they thought was that they had wisdom that was in comparison greater than any other place in the world. And so what they needed now was a gospel that would fit their category, their status, and their lifestyle. The problem was this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ at face value, it really does not equal the, the, uh, the, the beauty of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom talks about the galaxies and this and philosophies and rubbing rocks and formulas and all this kind of stuff. And truly, Michelle, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, he came. He died, he was thrown in the grave, he lived a spotless life, but on the third day he got up. Amen. That's it, he's coming back, but, but Sean, that's the gospel. And to the world, that's not, it's not strong enough. To the world, and Paul said in the first chapter, it's foolish to them, they don't understand it. So there came a movement in the church to say this, you know, well, we've gotta change something. If we're going to have status in the community, if we're going to be like the philosophical schools of our day, if we're going to be able to indulge in the worship of sex and the goddess of sex of our day, if we're going to be about the commercial business, the beauty, the art, the music, the aesthetic things of our day, we've got to change this gospel to fit the status of our day. Are you listening? And I'm telling you today, that I believe we got to be like the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I made a decision, I drew a line in the sand, and Paul said, I chose to preach nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mike Terramano will tell you that one of our MIP meetings was on that. 
If you stand behind this sacred desk, I don't care what the state newspaper had to say. I don't care what the Anderson Gazette had to say. I don't care what the Seneca Times had to say. I don't care what the Church of God gossip website had to say. I want to know what Jesus has to say about my life. He applies to the oldest person of the church. He applies to the youngest person of the church. He applies to the backslider. He applies to, he applies to those that are filled with the Spirit. It's Jesus Christ. He is why we're here tonight. Not my philosophy, not my formula, not my good looks, not my ability, not because my son's granddaddy is the state overseer of Tennessee. That nonsense does not matter to those who are perishing. Jesus Christ. Look to your neighbor and say it's still about Jesus Christ tonight. Why did Paul make that decision? Let me set you up. Because he understood that the cross of Christ is the judgment of the wisdom of man. The cross of Christ is the judgment of the wisdom of man. They stand in direct opposition. What do the smart, powerful people of the world do with Jesus of Nazareth? What they did back then, they crucify it. Are you listening? They put him on a cross. It's not that they think in the sense that he's simply crazy. I believe that the cross is what stands before them that makes them afraid. Because the cross of Christ, it speaks of death. It speaks of him dying and you must die with him to live. And people today, they want God, but they want God packaged in a way where they don't have to die. It's the truth. We present church in that way. Nothing about edification, nothing about sanctification, nothing about take up your cross daily and follow him. It doesn't grow churches anymore. But I don't wanna grow this church. I wanna grow people. If I grow people, then I'll grow the church. If I don't grow people and only grow the church, the church will soon die, either when I leave or if I mess up or if they don't like the preaching. But sooner or later, it will soon die. But if you grow people in Jesus Christ, even when they walk away, they can't walk away. Something gets a hold of their life and says, I can't live without him. He's been too good to me. I've got to tell somebody about what he's done in my life. The Christian message rests upon the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Listen to me tonight, North Wahala. You cannot take that out of our DNA. Brother Nolan, we shouldn't talk about the cross. It's offensive. It's going to cause new people to come in and they're not going to like the gore, the blood, the stain of it. I'm not saying preach it in a way um, that's for shock value. I'm not saying holler in such a way that causes people to be fearful. I'm just saying preach the truth. You cannot bypass and take the cross out of the DNA of Christianity. That's where we make our hay. That's where we make our stand. We stand there and declare. We back ourselves to the cross and said, if it had not been for him on this cross, I would be on my way to hell. But thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. So we must make a stand tonight in the second problem of the church. We must make a stand that we choose to preach philosophy. Listen to me quickly. Right now in the church world, they're arguing whether or not the world is flat or round. I don't care. I, I, I wish I was joking to you, but we're splitting some of the biggest leaders in the church arguing, is a church flat or round? 
Do we sprinkle or do we put them all the way up under? Do we wear blue jeans or do we wear khakis? Do we call, and see, see how the enemy would do us? We argue over stuff that don't matter. Romans 14. And what matters, we trade it for what doesn't matter. I'm going to start me a new church because I believe that the, the world is flat. Well, get on your hobby horse and ride to the end of it and fall off. For all I care, you understand? Flat or round, it doesn't matter. What matters is on a hill called Golgotha, a Savior came and died for me that I might go free and be separated from everything that had me bound. Why do we preach the nonsense of today? I tell you why, because we got away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mike preached the message Sunday night. Anthony, their styles are very different than mine. I'm a little old, I guess. You understand, Russell preaches different from me. Russell will stand right here and he'll just cry. Russell preached yesterday at the funeral and preached a masterpiece. You understand what I'm saying? Lacey smiles when she's preaching. TJ seems like he's come right out of the college. He'll put his hand in his pocket. Every one of them have a different style. Chris teaching his Sunday school. He's a country boy, doesn't claim to be anything, but watch him teach. You feel the love of God coming. It does not matter their style or preference. I don't care if they get excited like me or they preach with a smile like Mike does. I don't care as long as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give God praise if you believe that. Now, quickly, I've got to move through this in the next 30 minutes. So we've got to make up our mind. It's not the power of positive thinking. I think that I am positively skinny, but when I leave here, I will be positively wrong. Positive thinking won't do it. Five steps to get up in the morning and smile. You must don't live at 415 Deaton Road. You understand what I'm saying? Where's my son? Just because when we get home, we realize that my son has waited to the last minute to type an eight-page report. Guess what's going down at 415 after church tonight? You understand? That's not the power of positive thinking. The power of doing this, we have been bewitched. We have been tricked. We have been pushed in a corner to try new things that do not work. Well, preacher, let's go back to the old way. No, no, no. I'm not saying take the air conditioners out of the church. Everybody wants to go old school until we take the air conditioners out of the church. Come on now, somebody. Preacher, we want the old way, just not that old. You understand what I'm saying? About 1978. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go back. I'm saying go forward. But as we go forward, let us do what Paul said. Paul said that this problem, I'm gonna make up my mind to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because nothing else matters and nothing else works. It wipes out all the impressiveness of man and hopes to see that we're going to find wisdom in God, the wisdom of true life, and we start discounting our own wisdom, our co collective abilities. We quit bragging on how great somebody is, and we go back declaring how great he is. I would encourage all our preachers tonight to listen to me, all our Sunday school teachers. We've got too many stars in the church world today. I like what one preacher said, for 30 minutes a week, I can be anything that I want to be. 
It's not about being stars in the church that matters. I believe like the little boy that brought his lunch, God can use anybody. I like the old way of preaching in this, this thought. Do it with excellence, put your best forward, pray and fast, but if you've truly been in the presence of God, you know it's not about you. It's not about how many Facebook followers you have. It's about the message that you deliver. Preach the word. Why? Now here's the next step. Listen to me. Paul said, I'm not only am I going to denounce this, I'm going to tell you how I stand before you. Verse 3. He said, I was with you the first time in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. He is saying, I realize it's not about me. I'm taking me out of it. And I understand the weight that's on me when I preach the gospel. When we come to this pulpit and we don't feel the weight of that, then we need to stop. There's never a time that I come here that I'm not anxious. I've been preaching for 20 years. Somebody's life can be changed tonight. On Sunday morning, a young lady came down to the altar. We will be out her house tomorrow, taking a meal to her and her husband, boyfriend, I don't know, and let them know that North Wahala cares. But the open door was not my new shirt. The open door was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I stood before you in weakness. The first, excuse me, the second problem was this, that those philosophers, those benefactors who preach for money, and there's some preachers today, they no longer recognize they have weakness. Come on, somebody. Paul said, I stood before you in weakness. Why? Because God takes the foolish things of the world and confounds the wise. Paul was saying, I could have gave you my bio and I would have had the best education, the best bio in the house. But Paul said, I remember when I was riding on my beast and God knocked me down and showed me that I was a sinner on the way to hell. So now when I stand before you, I stand not with pride, but I stand in weakness knowing that without him, I can do nothing. Listen to me, modern day preachers and churches. I want you to have the best. There's a white tent out front on Sunday mornings. It's there for you. So when you see a visitor, we don't have to worry about what to say. Only thing you got to say, thank you for coming. Stop by the white tent. They have a gift for you. It takes the guesswork out of it. I want to do things with excellence. I want to do things organized. I want to speak the same language so we might not lose nobody in the net. But hear me. Once that is done, I still stand here in weakness and declare if he doesn't show up, it's just entertainment. That's all it is. Religious entertainment. And I'm going to say something to make you mad. I don't like religious entertainment. I'd rather go back to the bar. Why, why would you say that, Pastor? Because I don't like fake. I'd rather have it real. At least I know they're up to no good. I, I, I'm tired of buying water from preachers. <laughs> it's the truth. I, I, I'm tired of the charlatans who have bewitched us and made the church about them. 
It's not about you, sweetie. I know you've got a new way. I, I know, and that's glad. Maybe you can help us. And I, I know you think that you've got a new philosophy and two angels stood by your bed last night. If those two angels told you something contrary to the word of God, then it's not biblical. I don't care what dream you had. I don't care what school you went to. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care what you saw on Facebook. If you send 35 people this poor, then you'll receive 35 blessings. I don't care about that. What does the Bible have to say about your life and your situation? It tells me without him, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I am nothing. I'm on my way to hell. I may be educated, but on my way to hell. I may be good looking, but on my way to hell. I may be rich, but on my way to hell. But when I bowed and I accepted Jesus as my savior, he made something out of my life. And it's not about my degree, it's not about my money, and it's not about my looks, it's that he loved me enough to die for me while I was yet lost. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm hurrying, listen to me. So Paul says, I stood before you in weakness, in fear, fear of what? Well, we know if I had time, we could go to the book of Acts when he was talking about what happened at, with the Corinthian church and how we got to the Corinthian church. We know that he was afraid. How do I know that? Because the angel of the Lord stood by him and said, do not be afraid. Preach in that city. They shall not harm you or touch you. So the word says. So we know he was afraid of being beat. I believe that Paul was afraid of being prideful. How do I know that? Because when men started worshiping him, he would tear his clothes and say what? Do not worship me. I'm a man of like passion, just like you. Pastor Nolan, you feel that way? I'm the chief of all sinners in this church. Hello? Well, maybe not, because if you don't agree with me, you might be the one, amen? It's the truth. It's the truth. Also, I believe he's afraid of being branded a religious fanatic. That's what they said about him. So let's look at the two things and I'll close tonight. What is the problem? We have the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God. So let's look at it. Real quick in the next 20 minutes and then we close. The wisdom of man is what the world wants to hear that appeases their conscience and makes them feel good. Brother Nolan, you're just trying to get me to live right. Let's talk about it. The wisdom of the world says date who you want. Have relations with whoever you want. The wisdom of the world says if you get pregnant, don't worry about it. Just go to a clinic, they'll take care of it. The wisdom of the world says there is no such thing as a heaven. There's no such thing as a hell. You live, then you die. Notice how the wisdom of the world has no boundaries. The wisdom of the world has nothing to do with tomorrow. The wisdom of the world doesn't tell you about the regret that you're gonna have afterwards. Wisdom of the world says if you mess up, just take the pill the next morning. The wisdom of the world says just take the money that's not yours. The wisdom of the world says just stab somebody in the back. See, the wisdom of the world has nothing about doing what's right or righteous. It's all about what? What pleases and serves yourself. And the problem with the Corinthian church was this, that that philosophy was not only alive through Corinth and you could get paid to preach it, it has somehow got here. And so, Brother March Banks, it was flowing out. The wisdom of the world is to massage the ego of man. Brother Nolan, if you'll just preach softer, you can get a pay raise. No, no, I won't. I may get your money now, but God won't bless it. 
Jessica will take it and buy five pocketbooks for her, turn around. Somehow somebody will get sick and then they'll go out. Paul rejected this approach because he recognized it does not help us. Can I share with you tonight? Your wisdom does not help us. Oh, your wife won't touch you anymore? Don't worry about it. Find you somebody else. Just don't tell her about it. But when your son sees you riding around with somebody that's not your spouse, then what do you do? See, the wisdom of the world is different. The wisdom of the world says it doesn't matter. You work hard. Just put that drug in your body. Just drink. But when you get the DUI and your embarrassment to your family then, I'm not saying we're going to reject you. This church will always be open. I'm just being real with you. The wisdom of the world says you're grown. Huh? You're older than Pastor Nolan. He's foolish. Just do what you want. It's all about you. It is, isn't it? See, that's the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is about what makes you happy. And the wisdom of the cross says, die to me and take up your cross and follow me if you want to be my servant. Why do some preach the wisdom of man? I tell you why. First of all, not only is it destructive to the faith, it's the exact opposite of the cross. But Paul would say in the first chapter, it's foolishness. He said they preach the wisdom of the world because the cross doesn't make sense to them. They don't want it. They reject it. Paul would say in the first chapter, verse 26, consider your call, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the flesh, worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish thing of the world to shame the wise. Jump down to verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Let me tell you why. We choose the wisdom of the world because we are full of selfish ambition and selfish pride. That's it. I saw Satan fall as lightning coming down from the sky. Why? Because he stood in the presence of God and demanded the worship that was supposed to be to God and God alone. It's the same reason. Wisdom of the world says, Neil, you made it when you've got a cigar in your mouth and a million dollars in your pocket and four women are by your side. That wisdom doesn't tell about all the heartache that's in my life. It doesn't tell about the children that I don't get to see. It doesn't tell about the pain that I've caused. It doesn't tell about what's ahead of me. I've counseled with so many people that on the outside, April, they look like they've got it together, but if you can see, I've been with them privately, they have plenty of money, and it looks like the wisdom of the world, there's somebody on Facebook, but privately inside, they're, they're roaring, and their lives are such travesty. See, that wisdom of the world will fade. See, the cross strips you of your pride and lets you know that you're nothing without him and by yourself you cannot do it. But isn't that just like God? Because if it was the wisdom of the world, my daddy can save me, my pedigree, all that I am, I have money, my dad owns this, my mama owns that, and so therefore, that's what I'm prideful in. And Paul says, no, if you're gonna be saved, you've gotta lay it down at the foot of the cross. Why? Because pride dies at the foot of the cross. Red and yellow, black and white. Rich and poor. Full of anointing or grace or church baby or AIDS in their body. Doesn't matter at the foot of the cross. And that's why Paul looked at the Corinthians and says, and said, excuse me, 
I can't have the world's wisdom. I've got to rely on Jesus Christ. Listen to me. In Ministry Today magazine, the top 20 problems facing the modern church, number 18 was pride. I, I quote, how do we deal with pride in the church and among leaders? Many than any other sin, God hates pride. Six things do the Lord hate, seven, yea, they are abomination unto him. Yet sin most common in the church is pride. The Bible says God resists the proud, yet with titles and things, we continue to let people know how important we think they are. This week, I've, I've been to conference with two other ministers who are hurt, Anthony. And both of their hurt, hurts have come from some other minister who has pride in their life. More worried about what board we're gonna be on so I step on my brother, make up a lie, make up a rumor. More worried about where I'm going so I'll tear you down to lift me up. Is anybody listening tonight? It's that pride that's killing the church. We don't want the cross because we're so full of man's wisdom and we say if you want it, take it. If it's not yours, don't worry about it, steal it. It doesn't matter if she belongs to you or not. If you want it, grab it. That's not God's wisdom, saints. That's not the world. No, no, that's man's wisdom. And it was okay when it was in the bar, but it's no longer in the bar, it's in the church. If you wanna get drunk, get drunk, it's all right. It's okay. We'll even pop a beer up here tonight and drink it with you, it's okay. Nothing about edification, nothing about self-denial, nothing about self-rejection, nothing about taking up your cross. Hello? Paul said, I don't boast of that sin or that licensure to sin. He said, everything may be permissible, but everything doesn't bring edification, therefore I lay it down. That's not preached a lot, is it? But that was a problem in the Corinthian church. And I wanna tell you, I believe it's a problem in the modern day church. Be careful how we lift TV preachers up so high. Be careful how you lift your pastor up. Be careful how we lift up another minister in the church. Why? Because pride always goes before a fall. Paul was speaking about earnestly of heart, not understanding here that these people were full of pride. There are two possible responses to the death of Christ for our sin. We can regard it as foolish as they did, so to maintain our self-sufficiency and pride, or we can regard it as wisdom and die with Christ. That's why Paul said in Galatians 6 and 14, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You wanna brag on somebody tonight? Don't brag on your ability. Don't brag about who you know. Don't brag if you call somebody and they call somebody and they call somebody. I was talking, I'll be honest with you, I was talking to your former pastor today and I believe he's at a place in his life that he's never been just like I am, that we're just tired, we're just tired, we're just tired about the politics of it and we just want to get back to seeing souls saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said, you want to boast? Boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, she can sing. He looks good. He knows somebody. They got the most money. If we vote in Pastor Nolan, he's plays the best golf. He can get us into Augusta. Oh my goodness. Can we just cast out the good old boy in the church? Are you listening? We've rubbed elbows so long that our elbows are now ashy. They need some lotions. Can somebody say amen? 
That may not apply here. That's more low country, but you don't understand. Secondly, tonight, Paul said, what do I have then? I close with this. He said, this is what can be seen when we reject the wisdom of men. When we reject the wisdom of men, then comes the power of God. You can't have both, North Wahala. You cannot have both. I said it, quote it, put it on Facebook. You can not have both. You cannot praise God and praise flesh and God stay. One's gonna leave. Paul said, I came to you in demonstration of spirit and power. Problem number 19 in the modern day church, I quote, supernatural power. George Bonner reports that shockingly few Americans understand the power and the significance of the supernatural world, their real supernatural dimension. Most people deny the existence of the power of the Holy Spirit and are blissfully ignorant of spiritual battle that rages around and within them. We charismatics talk about the supernatural. Some of us claim to believe in the supernatural, yet we often are weak spiritually, too often battered by spiritual darkness, and we see too few miracles. I agree 100%. What Paul was saying was this, I stand before you weak, trembling and in fear. But I preach not my wisdom and you can't buy me, what Paul said. I will preach the cross of Jesus Christ and see his power. Let me close with this. I want you to hear me if you don't hear nothing else. I'm piggybacking a little bit off of Sunday night with you, not knowing, but just the church problem. The problem, second problem in this church was this. They got away from what worked. Brother Nolan, if you preach like that, what's gonna happen? When the drunks come in, they can be saved. The synagogue, according as we read 1 Corinthians, people in the synagogue started turning to Christ. Then the common people started turning to Christ. Then ordinary, plain, plain Jane vanilla people. And then in the marketplace, which I believe, I've shared with you privately, I believe is the next great outpouring is the marketplace. Ministers going all over our community, turning this city upside down. When the gospel was preached, then people were being delivered. How do I know that? First Corinthians 6, 9, 11, some of you are idolaters, some of you are adulterers, some of you are homosexuals, some of you are drunkards, you are swindlers, thieves, robbers. Who was the robber in here? No, I'm just kidding, never mind. And, that was, and it has all changed. Such were some of you, he says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have the simplistic approach to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, lives are changed. Not blood moons, not new moons, not old moons, not yellow moons, not flat earth, round earth, no earth, we're all, not, not pluralism, not legalism, not, not, not that <laughs> cynicism, not believing that our bodies are not going anywhere so I can sit in the body as long as my soul preserved. No, no, we're not preaching any of that. We're gonna preach Jesus came. Whew. He died. He loves you. We don't care what you've done. 
Watch how simple this is. They were a homosexual pastor. She had three abortions. She has a list of guys that she's been with. He has a list of affairs. He loves you. He loved you while you were sinning. He loves you still today. His love has never changed for you. He died just for you. He died to save you. He died to sanctify you. He died to give you a new life, not just in heaven, but here on earth. He ascended from the grave, sits at the right hand. He's pleading your case right now. Will you receive him as your savior? That's the gospel of Jesus. Christ. That's it. That's it. That's all that we're called to do. Not me get up here and steal your money. I don't need a $65 million jet. I don't have to tell you that since I'm an apostle that I can't ride my Lord and Savior ride on the back of a donkey that never been ridden. But we got preachers today that can't show up and preach unless they pick them up in a limousine. God, deliver us from these slick rick preachers who've left the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. That was the problem, the second problem of the Corinthian church, and we're not far removed from it today. Hello? Brother Nolan, what do you need when you come preach? Loot one water, I prefer my hands to be free, but if that can't work, that's okay. It's about all I need. It's about all I need, really. I was a sinner not too long ago. How can I boast about what I have now when I know who I used to be? If you're gonna boast, Paul said boast in the cross. Boast in the power that it changes lives. Are you listening tonight? He said, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Tonight as I close, we need to shift our minds back to something simplistic. We need to watch out for those who are only about symbols and luxuries and what the gospel can do for them. Watch out for preachers who don't talk about Jesus much. That's a sign. Watch out for preachers who don't mention about the cross much. That's a sign. Watch out for preachers who only preach for self-benefit. That's a sign. Watch out for churches that you go to them and they don't mention Jesus much or dying or taking up the cross. Be careful for those. Watch out for churches who are not balanced. We have churches today who preach you can do anything and we have churches this on this other side that says no matter what you do, it's never good enough and they preach so hard that nobody can be saved. Watch out for both of those. Just preach the cross and let God do the rest. Amen. Paul said, I was with you in weakness and much fear and trembling. 2 Corinthians 10 and 10, he said, they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech was no account. Listen, as a close. You know what they said about the Apostle Paul? His letters are too weighted down. Some of you may have said that about me. He just, it's too much. Gets in my business too much. It says his bodily presence is weak. Some of you may have said that about me. Let me break that down for you in Oconee County terms. Terms. He must look at. That's what it means. It's not really deep theology. I wish I looked like Anthony or Mike, some of these good looking preachers. I don't. I am what I am. I feel like Popeye and that's all that I am. 
He says, not only he's not much to look at, he says, he's really not that good of a preacher either. But when men fell out of the window dead, they didn't ask anybody else to go pray for him, they asked Paul. When they drug him out of a city and stoned him and left him for dead, the Bible said he got up, went back in the city and preached at the house next door. When the church was about to split, was anybody else that began the pen? It was Paul. So let me be honest with you tonight, that's the way I feel. Paul understood what, what I could do for God. Forgive us. It wasn't what I could do for God, it's what God can do in somebody wretched like me. Who has a past, who has weaknesses, and has failures. And why he sees fit to use me, I don't understand. It's not what I have. It's what he can do in somebody that's worthless like me. Amen? You don't have to be a super duper saint tonight. I'm not looking for your pedigree. I'm not taking your blood to see what generation church of God you are. I don't care if you knew Billy Graham personally. You want to be saved and you want to be used by the king just humble yourself pick up your cross and tell somebody what he did for you that's it would you stand with me please the second problem is that this was hijacked to preach what they wanted to hear I want to say this to all our preachers, teachers, Chris Whitney, all our leaders, would you hear me? Quit thinking that you've got to find some new theology. Ashley, every one of you. Quit thinking that you, and I'm guilty of this. I felt like Sunday morning I bombed. I told you that. I felt like I bombed. Quit, quit thinking you've got to impress somebody. Just preach the gospel. I feel him in this house. Just preach the gospel. Let God do the work. Just preach the gospel. Don't apologize for it. Don't jazz it up. Don't feel like you've got to add to it. Just preach the gospel. Take you, they ask you to go one mile, go two. Don't apologize for that. Don't slap them over the head. Just preach it. Preach how it makes a difference. See, life's changed. Self-serving teachers versus Christ-serving ministers. Listen, self-serving preachers of their day was smooth, flattering speech. But the real servants preached not with persuasive words of wisdom. They were eloquent. You notice sometimes I have a lisp. There's some words that I can't say perfectly. I don't put a lot on Facebook because really I don't spell well. I don't put a lot on Facebook. I've had two voice surgeries and sometimes I hate the way I sound. It's a weakness of mine. So when you don't see me a lot posting about some preachers, it's not that I'm jealous of them. It's a weakness of mine. Pray for me. Some preachers, they just smile and their teeth so wide and eloquent, I want to get saved again, amen? I don't have that gift. But Paul said, my preaching was unimpressive. He says they were impressed by their appearance. Paul said my look was unimpre unimpressive. The preaching of wisdom of man would deceive, but the preaching of the gospel would reveal truth. 
The preaching of the wisdom of man will use power of reason. The preaching of the gospel will demonstrate the power of Almighty God. The preaching of the wisdom of man is boastful. Look what I've done. The preaching of the gospel, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7, is humble. The preaching of the wisdom of man sought out followers. But the preaching of the wisdom of God sought out devotion to Christ. The preaching of the wisdom of man imposed burdens that were unduo people, but the preaching of the gospel will take the burden off of people. The preaching of the wisdom of man is self-serving, but the preaching of the power of God is willing to expend themselves so that others can be saved. Let us preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I may have political opinion. I may have things that I believe, but anybody that's in this church, the ministers that stay with me, they will tell you, before they get up here, when I book somebody to preach, I tell them, I don't want your opinion, I don't care what the newspaper says, and I don't care what CNN says. Preach the word. If you're not gonna preach the word, I'll give you a check and you can go on down the road. Because you'll cause me more damage and more fires I have to put out. But if you'll preach the word, if they don't like it, they'll get over it. Amen? Would you grab the person's hand beside of you, please? Father, while the altar is open, if there be one in here tonight that's turned their back on you or feel like they've gone the way of the world or just feel like, you know, right now I'm not where I need to be. I've got away from the cross. This altar's open tonight. Nobody's gonna judge you. The world will pull on you and tell you come, but they just don't tell you the consequences of the sin that you've done. I'm not judging you. I love you. More importantly, he loves you. You're here tonight for a reason, to be reminded of what God is, who he is, and what he's done for you. So why not step out tonight? Let me pray with you. Let your sins be forgiven. Move forward your life. You only have one, so why waste it? Don't believe the world. It sounds good, and it feels good for a while, but slowly it will hollow you out, and you'll be empty inside, and you're feeling that even now. I judge you not, but I ask you for the last time, would you come? And let me pray for you. 30 seconds, not close. 30 seconds, 25 seconds. Nobody's judging you. Don't rationalize in your mind. I can't live up to it. Yes, I'm gonna ask you. Yes, yes, you can. Because it's not you anyway, it's him. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. We have one lady that's coming. April, some of you ladies. Ladies, help me. Ladies, help me. Help me. Help me. Would you come pray with her, please? If anybody else is here tonight, you want to come real quickly. I know it's Wednesday night. And I'm gonna dismiss you in about one minute. And the ladies are gonna stay. And I'm gonna ask you to leave reverently. Not to talk in here, but to talk outside in the foyer. Is there anybody else? I'm, waiting, I'm really waiting for a person that God is weighting me down. And I'm not, I would never embarrass you. Never. 10 seconds. I love you. Amen. Amen. I want you ladies to stay right here. I'm going to pray with her as well. Did you enjoy the teaching tonight? Sunday morning, unless God changes me, I'm going to preach my favorite New Testament message, story. I preached a part of it my first month here two years ago. I'm gonna preach another part. It really is a series, but there's a book 
Kofilemon, Philemon, or Philemon, however you want to say it. It just depends on what part of Oconee you're from, okay? Read it before Sunday. And if God doesn't change me, I want to talk about how God has paid the price for our sin. So if you know anybody who's lost, bring them with you. Bring them with you. It'll be a message to remind us and to pull people in out of the fire. Amen? Amen. Let me dismiss you one more time before we pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, let your grace go with us and cover us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Just be reverent, please, as this one is praying.